Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and on this podcast I am going to be joined by Dan Lambert and Lucas Ross. It is the international break currently, so whilst this chair is away scoring screamers for Morocco and Lyndon Dykes hopefully will be doing the exact same thing against Israel Saturday evening, we've come together to discuss what went so wrong and then what went so right against Preston last Saturday. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into Saturday's game. It certainly was an interesting one. What was your general thoughts, guys? Um, it was probably just chaos. I mean, the weather included was not a, it was a torrential, torrential day for it. Um, yeah, it was just, a, it was just a weird one. Um, just go, goals galore, good at one end, bad at the other, kind of like the typical Warburton um, QPR that we've seen over the, the course of the two and a, two and a bit season so far. So yeah, it was just a, kind of a mixed feeling on the game, really. Lucas, what did you think? Oh, thought good going forwards. Bit bit shaky defensively. I think we miss having. I think we. I think we really as as well as Barbe is doing out of position. I do think we are missing having that. Miss not having a recognised um, left wing back on the pitch. I think we're missing Wallace and McCallum and I think that's shown on Saturday, especially when they came forward, they exploited us and their second goal came down came down our left. Um, so that wasn't good. And we don't speak about their first goal. Well, let's move through the game sort of bit by bit. I'll bro- sort of break it up half by half. But the first half of that first half was actually quite entertaining, I thought. And we we looked like we were sort of, we were back to playing our best football. We They weren't really threatening. And obviously we get the goal. And it was around this sort of time that my dad, and he's not going to forgive me for digging him out like this, but he turned around and said to me, at some point this season, we're going to thrash someone and I feel like it could be today. So, you know, that's his expertise on the matter. But Dan, the first half of the first half was actually quite good, wasn't it? It was, it was. Um, I particularly enjoyed our first goal. I thought it was a very, um, very clean, good build-up uh, Started from from Dieng uh, rolling out of the chair, then he um, he managed to manipulate. Five, I think it was five Preston defenders in the end to create enough space for for Gray to um, put a first time ball in. And then I don't know how Dykes managed to get that ball between. I think it was Cunningham in the end. Um, but no, I really really liked our our build up to the first goal. And yeah, we we were quite good in the first half. Yeah, I thought. That goal perfectly uh, sort of capsulates how confident and how confident, sorry, and how brilliant Ilias Chair has been playing at the moment. And it sort of highlighted as well, um, you know, sending at his best. He took the ball commanding in the air and then quickly got it out. And we were from defence to attack in a number of seconds. It was sort of like it wasn't quite a typical Ilias Chair because he didn't get the assist, but it wasn't quite an Ilias. It was more sort of closer to what Eze used to do, I'd say, rather than what we've seen Chair do. He doesn't normally, I guess, come that deep. And if he does try and go on that run, he's usually 
I'm not criticising here, but he's sort of he's possibly dispossessed. And I wouldn't say that's his strongest running from that end of the field to the other. It's the sort, of, but it's the sort of thing that Eze would do. You see the goal that he scored against Sheffield United for Crystal Palace last year, and it's it's very sort of similar to that in the fact that he's just taking on everyone and getting past everyone. L- Lucas, did you think that within that sort of first half of that half, we should have really put the game out of sight? Um, I think, um, well, obviously, we deserve to be winning, I think. I think Dykes did take his goal well, even though I even though watch it on replay, I don't really know how he managed to get it through that press and player's legs. Um, I think we, we took our goal really well. Um, I think maybe we could easily have had another. I think after that, we should, we could well have been two goals up quite easily. And I think we got punished for not taking our chances, and but we'll come to that. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Dan, what do you think? Should we have put it beyond sight? Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure. To be honest, I was just having a look at the um, the chances we had there in the first half, and I don't think most of them, I believe, in the first half were outside the box. So I'm not. I, I don't. Rem- I don't remember them too um, too vividly, but. Um, no, I mean we could we could have we could have to be honest defensive. I'm not. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute. But like in terms of defensively, we looked fairly comfortable um, first half. Uh, so yeah, I suppose we could have could have put the game to bed. But um, no, it wasn't to be unfortunately. Okay, so then we move on to the sort of turning point, and when it all started to turn a bit sour briefly, that their goal, which I felt you probably guessed came out of nothing it was a bit of a it was a long ball a hopeful ball that dropped in the right area for them really um Dan you had a I know you've got some things to say about our defending so have you got have you broken it down and had a look at what really went wrong in this goal um well I look back on the replay just to just to make sure because I remember when I was at the game I remember particularly before they scored I could sense that they their one option was to go either in behind or over the top. And now our weakness in the back is, is pace. Um, but I had a look at the um, the build-up to the goal and Sean Maguire actually plays a ball from before the halfway line. Like uh, like you said, a bit of a, a bit of a hit and hope, if you like. Um, and that's kind, of, kind of, that's kind of the issue for me because they constantly went in behind. They were trying to go in behind and um, our, our line was still still ridiculously high. Um, I think the camera angle didn't show it, but Jimmy Dunn was the last man about 30, 35 yards from goal, which is quite a lot of distance for someone who doesn't particularly have a lot of pace on him. Um, yeah, I just think that that leads to the to the chance. Then you have Dunn, who I think should be in front of his in front of his man to start with. And then I didn't I'm not really a keeper expert, but I heard some of them saying that Senny Dien could have done better. Lucas, what's your thoughts about the first goal that they scored? Oh, um, I was pretty angry about it at the time, I must say. Um, it wasn't one which I don't like conceding goals full stop. It was a goal. It's a sort of goal which I really hate to concede. Like, um, it, ball came, it was, as, as Dan said, it was a hopeful ball over the top. And Maguire was just hoping that it landed in the right place and 
it just fortuitously landed. There was a bit of a mix up at the back between, I think it would be between Dieng and I think it was done. Um, and um, Reese was just there to just stop, to just watch, to just get a touch and ball and watch it painfully trickle into the net. And then it did start to go a bit wrong from there. From my angle of watching the goal, I thought, you know, the anchor does come off his line and it looks like perhaps that he's going to come off. But maybe, as Dan says, there's a, we play such a high line, which, and I'll come on to in a second why, you know, you'll see that we have seen benefits of that high line already this year. Um, but Dieng comes out and, poss- and realises that really, if he comes out, it's he's got no chance of actually saving. If he comes out, slides in, it's definitely a red red card it's possibly a penalty you know and then things would have gone very very wrong with, with what all the things that would happen off of that I actually think whilst Jen could have done better because it went underneath him I've seen some suggestions people saying it went past him at the front post I think unless I was getting confused with the second goal it definitely went underneath him he could have done better there but I do think Dunn should have done better because I know you said he didn't have doesn't have much pace, but it wasn't like he was left for dead by that, by Preston's um, striker. They He could have potentially got in front of him. And I think he was waiting for Dieng to come and get the ball. Really, it should have been clear to him that Dieng wasn't actually coming. And actually, the ball trickles over the line. I thought he could have at least tried afterwards as well to try and clear it off. Maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh. I don't know. But every time I've seen it, I've just thought if you try and if you put it in the back of the net, no one's going to sort of bemoan you for scoring an own goal because you know that it probably was going in anyway. Um, What I was saying about the, the, the high line being a positive for us, you saw that against Everton for the second goal. Barbe's pushed up quite a quite far up. And he's won the ball back and then passed it on to chair for chair to get it into the box or whoever it was. But, you know, we wouldn't have got that goal because we literally pressed them with all 10 outfield players right back into their half and they couldn't get out. And, you know, that's when it goes well. And that was against a Premier League outfit. But when you've got someone like Preston who are more than willing to just lump the ball up top, I guess maybe it's not actually that effective at times and I think there's been an unfair amount of criticism on wing backs as well I mean a wing back is by definition two uh, positions rolled into one so you know you can't always say that the wing backs were out of position because it's likely that they were in the right position it's just that they're not going to be able to get back in time that's why I would argue that we don't need really to be pushing the likes of Dickey and Barclay up with the wing backs and playing them in the sort of positions that a conventional left and right back would do if you were playing sort of a 4-4-2 or you know a four at the back system I don't know what you guys thought would think of that no no I, I was, the um the high line point I agree with I think was that was that an example when they when we had the ball the high line against Everton yeah yeah so we had the ball in their corner lost it and then won it back from Barbe being in that position Right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, I just think that, I think, I mean, there's it's a slightly different example to, uh, um, to the one on Saturday. But A, we don't, we didn't press the press Sean Maguire. And B, I don't think we had that many behind the ball either. That goes back to our behind the, off the ball, um, behind the ball structure, which we 
conceded two against Bristol City. It, we seem to do it some games. We seem to do it. So, um, we don't the others. I think that just all comes down to our um, adaptability of situations. I mean, you mentioned the uh, the communication between Dunn and Dieng. That's we didn't adapt to that quick enough. We just don't. We don't seem to adapt as a as a team or, or as a pairing or whatever to these situations, and we end up conceding from unforced errors. Yeah, I just think that 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 first goal Dunn should probably realise that he's it, that Dieng's not coming because there's a lot of time where he's looking at Dieng, and you can see him after the goal has gone in. He's turned around to Dieng again, sort of like gesture to sort of say, "Why didn't you come?" But you know. Dieng probably did make the right decision not to come charging out of the box because he, like I said, he gets any contact. We know that Preston like to hit the deck very easily, and they that player will go down and it will be a red card because he's a last man denying a goal scoring opportunity. So Dunn, I think, has got to try and get him behind there. Um, moving from our defence from the first goal to the person who kind of got the assist for our first goal. Andre Gray came off for Austin, I believe. It was quite underwhelming throughout throughout the game. What what's our, what do people think about Gray's performance? Mm, I think the I think the ball into the box was crucial, but that's probably the only thing he did. To be honest, he he doesn't really do much to help the team. And as traumatizing as it seems now, I probably would have gone for Naki Wells over Andre Gray. Um, even though he just a bit late, no trauma time. I mean, oh, well. you know, like let's Naki Wells clearly wasn't an option because if he was, then we would have got him. I mean, it's sort of like saying I would have gone for Messi over Gray. I mean, like Messi wasn't an option for us, so we weren't even gonna get him. I think Gray was literally probably the only one available. I don't doubt that if Naki Wells was some an option on loan, that we would have got him. But he's clearly part of Bristol's plans for the season. Yeah, and that's a bit of a sticky one there because um, Gray, um, while he while he does bring know-how and experience and he's arguably played the best football of his career under Warburton at nearby Brentford, I think that um, yes, it's, it, strikers, it's not easy to get right. I'm just going to say that. I think um, for me... Well, firstly, I didn't anticipate Preston to play such a high line to start with, so I thought it'd be a bit of a tricky time anyway um, with getting him behind. I think he managed to get him behind for the first first 20 minutes. I think he got him behind a few times. He missed a header, I think, or one, went over him. Um, but yeah, he didn't, use the, he didn't use the space behind him to his advantage or he didn't really get the opportunity to. So I thought he was a bit underwhelming. Um, and I think Austin made a bit more of a difference when he came on. The other thing as well is that I found that he was getting caught offside way too many times. Now, that could be because of him making poor runs, but we have also seen for the what was going to be an equaliser at the time, Dykes could have scored that. That was supposedly offside, according to the linesman. I don't know, like Gray was a real enigma for me at the weekend because I can't. When was it that he played? It was Bristol City and he played fantastic against them. Him and Dykes worked really well, and I was quite excited to see them link up again. I don't know. He maybe he, it's sort. I don't want to say he's tired because he had so much time off between West Brom and uh, Preston, and he didn't feature. I don't think 
against, or he did feature right at the end against Birmingham, but it wasn't enough to sort of knacker you for the week. Um, and I don't, again, I don't want to say that he's sort of overweight or anything like that, because that's a sort of cardinal sin that you get vilified for. But, you know, he is a, you know, I don't know. He didn't look like, he, maybe it was just that he didn't have a very good game, but he was quite underwhelming. Um, obviously, this is something that can quite easily turn around. Austin was supposedly finished and now he's he's looking much better. Dykes hasn't played fantastic in every single game. It's just, a, I guess, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult position, isn't it, to, to get right. And so if you're not scoring goals, then it feels like you've kind of failed a little bit. Um, let's move into the second half now. It was a really sloppy start. Dan, what do we think of the second goal? Uh, what, for, Pres- for Preston? Um, the, the one thing I'm worried about is the fact that we can't pick up uh, runs from deep into the box from Sean Maguire. Um, it happened a few times against Reading with John Swift. Um, it's happened it's ha- it happened to Corey with Everton. It's, it's, it's happened loads of times this season. And that's... I can't, you can only criticise it so much because we play zonally, not man to man. So I don't know what I don't know what we're we're doing, not marking man to man. That we're struggling to uh, to mark zonally. Um, I think that goal more than more than is more Preston's like credit to Preston rather than uh, than us. I mean, Ledson Ledson put a lovely clip ball over the top for Sean Maguire, and then he's got a bit of a a bit of a deflection on on the uh, the square to Josh L and then he's tapped it in. So the only criticism would be for me where we can't mark the the, the deep run into the box. Yeah, it was such a strange start to the half because I, I didn't actually, it felt like I was, I can't remember if I was actually watching it that much, to be honest. It felt like such a slow start. I don't think anyone was really sort of paying attention and all of a sudden pressing a 2-1 up. Um, having a look at the highlights, Don Ball fills in next to Chris Willock. Obviously, Willock was playing wing back, and it's kind of, you know, very much a square peg in a round hole uh, playing wing back there. So, you know, if we essentially had seven, back seven at that point for some reason, and no one, like you said, tracked the runner, if it, if anything, it should be that Ball's got, a, unless he finds himself in that position somehow, he's really got to be getting away from that back line and following the runner through um, because like, you know, the likelihood is that Willock is going to be uh, looking out wide for the person you might be putting a ball in. I, I thought, you know, Bob Bull's got to get out off that back seven. I don't know what you guys were sort of thinking there, but I, I you know, that it's, you just track that runner and that goal doesn't happen. I think also, um, I forgot to say, I think Steph doesn't press Ledson. And that, but that's again another thing we don't really do. We don't we don't seem to want to press aggressively. So I think it's it's hard to it's hard to know when to criticise because there's certain things we just don't do. But yeah, no, I, there's there's a few things in that um, in that goal that we we could fix. Lucas, thoughts about that second pressing goal? To be honest, I thought that we got caught lacking. Um... We just we just didn't wake up. We just didn't wake up quickly enough and press. And in that moment, Preston looked sharper. Like they wanted it more than we did. And yeah, they just they just caught us dozing off and 
punished us accordingly by scoring their second. Enough said, to be honest. Okay, so from this point, it only gets better for QPR. Um, well, after a slight sort of blip with the with Dykes being robbed, I mean, what it's quite hard to tell from the replays that you get with the sort of only four positions, four camera positions that you have at Lofts Road. But what did you guys think about that Dykes disallowed goal? Was it offside? Was it not offside? I'd say it was very, very harsh. Um, Because from one of the camera angles, he did look on, he did look onside quite a bit, but um, ultimately did the refs know, did the officials know something that we didn't, um, who am I to know? But it was very, very harsh Dykes to be disallowed. The Dykes' second goal to be disallowed. Not that it matters in the end, though. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Dan? Yeah, I haven't got much, too much more to add. I mean, I sit behind the goal, so I can't really, can't really tell for exactly from the line. But um, it looked just on... I think he was in line with... Um, they're right back or something like that. So yeah, pretty harsh, but uh, and a good, good finish, uh, good, good header as well. Um, but yeah, it all, all worked out in the end, like Lucas said. Yeah, I think the crucial thing for me with that goal was that one of the biggest shit house teams in the championship didn't even appeal for an offside. Every player reacts as if they've just conceded a legitimate goal. So you know, if it's good enough for Preston, it's good enough for me. Um, speaking of some questionable antics from Preston North End, what you know, this how, how can you actually enjoy watching Preston when they act in such a <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but you know, the time wasting, the constantly going down. Uh, you know, they tried to get Dunn sent off after he scored their our second goal. What what do you guys think of Preston's antics that they got up to their dark arts oh very very questionable bit bit like Burnley mind you um but I think those dark arts um ultimate I think two words mind games I think ultimately those dark arts didn't work in the end because ultimately we did prevail but I think had this game been in the Premier League I think VAR would have been on Preston's side and mugged us quite badly I think the, um, I mean, the referees need to do something really to stop this because I don't think was there a booking. I don't think there was a booking all game. There was. Um, um, I can't remember who it was, but it was a really bad booking right at the end. For Amos. 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 Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I think it was. It was something so inconsequential in comparison to the way that Preston had been acting for the whole game. Actually. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I think the I think referees need to do something to stamp this out. I mean. The falling, the the going down to ground after goals, and the I think it was Cunningham that pretended he'd been shot by in the in the goal. Um, yeah, that that that's just that's taken it too far. I mean, but the general time wasting um, that's been happening all season. Uh, we had Coven, I think the Coventry do it a bit, and then Barnsley did it before we scored the two goals. You got you got loads of loads of teams that have done it this season. It seems like as though the second half of the championship football gets so broken that it's not even, doesn't even seem like it's a 45 minutes worth of football. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just something that the refereeing in general in the league, um, but it's not enjoyable to watch when everyone's time-wasting for 
majority of the second half. Yeah. Um, so now let's have a look at, I mean, the second goal. It, it's got, like all our goals in this game, Illish chair all over it. He was the person to put the ball into the box, wasn't he? I hope, I hope so. Yeah, he yeah. was. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty ugly goal. Not necessarily one that Warburton would have uh, planned, I guess, but it was a fantastic moment, wasn't it? Well, we seem to we seem to score quite a lot of set pieces this season. I think a few for a few from corners, a few from free kicks. So we're coming coming a bit of a bit of a tougher tougher side from set pieces. Lucas, what do you think? Um, I think um, um, I went with my mate from college and I said to him, um, just as Chair was sizing up the free kick, or oh, if this could end up going well, or it could just or it could just be same old, same old, and end up in row Z. Um, but no, um, in the end, it was a it was a good free kick goal. Bounced around the area a little bit, but I think. Dunn got the telling touch into the back of the net and then pressed and just started crying and tried to get Dunn sent off, which sort of drained them even more, if you like. Okay, so we've mentioned him already with the first goal, second goal. He scores the third goal. He has already scored this week as well for Morocco. Take a look at that one as well. It, it doesn't matter who you're playing against, but they that was another fantastic effort. Lads, how good, and we, you know, big effort here because Mike is not here this week, but how good is Ilias Chair? Sensational. Very good. Um, very good. Yeah, he's very good. To that level, um, that, is, that is up for debate, whether he's as good as prime Adele Tarat, but... Um, well, I'll, I'll put it to you too. Is he as good as Prima Del Tarat? I think not quite, but he definitely has potential to be. Is he as good as Prima Del Tarat? I mean, they're different type. As much as they've got the Moroccan link, they're a bit different in their type of type of play. I mean, a Del Tarat was just pure, pure, um, pure skills. I mean, Ilias Chair can do that, but he's not. He's not. He's more of a more of a dribbler than a uh, than a trickery kind of player. But it's it's, it's early days. I think if he powers us to a promotion, I, I couldn't care less. And the, the thing is that and this is probably something that will not upset QPR fans, but I think we all know that Tarap had a lot of potential and he didn't reach that potential. He showed it in that promotion winning season. And unfortunately, after that, things didn't go quite right with falling out with managers and whatever. If Chair can keep a level head and hopefully, you know, if he takes us up, that's fantastic. There's one box ticked. If he plays well with us in another division, there's your no another box. And then he's got, so he'll have, the world will be his oyster. He'll get so many offers. It will be unbelievable. Um, unfortunately, Lucas has had to leave us. So you're blessed with just me and Dan for the rest of this podcast. Um, and we're going to just quickly chat about Lyndon Dykes, who was crucially involved in that second goal, uh, oh, sorry, third goal, pardon. Dan, is that, I don't want to say comical assists, but he deserved an assist. Door assist. It, so he, got... he deserved an Go assist on. for that first header, didn't he? He did, he did. I've never seen, I think there was a, there was a piece by Tom Victor who said it was something about Phil Jones, um, 
Phil Jones gave him the platform to, to do that or something along those lines. I think it was um, Phil Jones crawled so that Dykes could Dykes, crawl more like yeah, more something, yeah. or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it was just, it was absolute chaos in a goal. Um, he, tri- he trips over, then he goes for the header, then he gets back up, makes the makes the connection with the next, um, with the pass to Chair, falls over again, and then um, Chair slots it home. Yeah, he, he was certainly uh, certainly the warrior in that in that goal. Yeah, um, and he have a look on BBC uh, Sport. He actually was voted man of the match on there. I don't think we actually do man of the match awards at QPR anymore, or if they do, I haven't sort of noticed it. But he was certainly up there, and he's continued some great form. And you know, he's that first goal was fantastic. Rob for the second one, and crucial for the third um Ilias chair again fantastic finish for the third goal there he goes with a bit of calmness under pressure and you know doing that thing that everyone loves he's holding on to the ball too long I would have thought you know when he first receives that ball it would have been very easy for him to sort of snatch it straight away and try and to take a shot on but he's you know he's got the awareness the presence of mind to sort of hold on to it just a little bit and then take the shot. You know, that sh- shows, again, the quality, the confidence that's flowing through him at the moment. Um, overall, Dan, it was a satisfying result in the end, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Um, well, it's another three points, another win, puts us into into sixth grade, well, um, going into the international rate right now. Um, I just wanted to quickly mention something on... Um, on the right wing back area, and I wonder what your thoughts were, because obviously Odebajo has been getting a little bit of um, criticisms. Is it fair to say um, about his positioning, about his defensive awareness, that kind of thing? And I think I mentioned it after the West Brom game in the pod about potentially the right wing back um, position being our problem area. Um, and I and Saturday kind of showed that it it kind of was because. Um, Johansson had to was particularly in the second half spent a lot of time on the right hand side, which didn't only not really solve our channel down the right. It also made it um, made ball more isolated in the centre. So I just yeah I just I just think we're too we we lack balance in our in our in our build ups and our play. We're we're very predominantly left uh, left sided. So yeah, I wonder what your thoughts were. Yeah, I actually agree with the left sided comment because I thought it was something that. Was just because we were watching it all on on our sort of TVs and iPads last year that the left sided dominance was just a sort of product of that. And we because when we're attacking towards the school end, you saw so much of Wallace and Chair and Willock linking up. And it's actually interesting to see in the in the actual games that we do actually dominate all our attacks down the left side. Um, and Moses quite often is left kind of by himself uh, to to try and attack, and it is. I, I think we've said it so many times that the wing back position seems to be everyone's favourite for a bit of criticism, but I just think it's so so hard to play that in that position unless you are, I don't know, who, who's who would you say is probably the best wing back in the world because it's Ooh, in the world. Oh. The first, first name that came to my head was Alexander Arnold, but I'm not sure if that would be. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's a wing back. Um, 
he could potentially play that way. But you know, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Well, probably. Like, I, I like. I think. I think someone for that we need for our side. Obviously, not the not the player, but we need an engine like Tarek Lamptey. Yeah, who can just bomb up and down the the thing. I mean, he's got pace. He's athletic. He's probably the most our most athletic player. But a lot of the time, we he has to hold his width whilst covering, tucking it at the same time. So I think it's it's not an impossible task to do, but it's near to impossible for for him to have a good game and to to kind yeah. of cover all the the space in front and beyond behind. I just think it's so such a difficult one for him to actually for him to do. Uh, and like we said, if you're out of position as a wing, you can't really be out of position as a wing back because you are either playing as a winger or you are playing as a right back. So you if he is well up the pitch when we've conceded a goal, that's probably because he was meant to be there in the first place. So it's difficult for him to cover that pitch up and down uh, twice in a matter of minutes. Okay, and with that, that is us done for another week. Uh, We will be back soon to preview Fulham and whatever game we have got after that. It's not Sunderland in the cup, is it? Uh, It's Blackburn midweek. Blackburn midweek, fantastic. Another really exciting game. Um, So, yeah, that's everything for us this week. This has been our generation on air. My name is Alex Bullimore. Thank you, Dan, for and Lucas as well, for joining me this week. And we hope to see you guys again soon. Thanks for listening.